Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NTT20 betting show, our second since the return of the championship. That's what we're focusing on this weekend, a tricky slate of championship fixtures in front of us. Uh, George, last week was a hell of a week for watching and enjoying the championship and talking about the matches, which is our sort of Monday podcast, guys. An absolutely terrible week for punting on the championship, which is our betting show, guys. I mean, that was it was about as bad as it gets. It was it was a punting equivalent of Middlesbrough's performance against Swansea last weekend. Yeah, sadly for you guys, no, um, you know, managing director to fire us, uh, and you know we're not going to be replaced by an older, wiser head. Uh, this podcast uh, worth remembering, obviously for those who like to get in touch, that we do bat these ourselves. So we are hurting come Saturday at about six o'clock when none of them go in. But we've had a few good weekends in the past before and I hope we can have another good one here. Um, I think it felt like last weekend was basically the beginning of a new season and I don't think necessarily either of us really factored that into our, our thinking. So hopefully we'll do better this time around. Yeah, spot on. Uh, a reminder before we get into this weekend selection and we are doing so with the bit between our teeth this week. This podcast is for over 18s only. Please, please understand the risks around gambling before you make the decision to have a bet this weekend and do not bet more than you can afford to lose. If you feel the need to brush up on your understanding of the risks around gambling, then begambleaware.org is the website to visit to get all that information. So this weekend, the championship slate, I mean, from a neutral's perspective, from the Monday pod perspective, Georgia, it could barely be tastier with uh, with Brentford West Brom on Friday night with Leeds Fulham at 3pm sorry yeah tonight um, uh, you know the top four playing against each other you've got 6th v 7th uh, two teams in Preston and Cardiff on the same amount of points you've got Stoke Middlesbrough down the bottom which was already quite tantalising as a as a relegation six pointer and got even more tasty this week with the appointment of Neil Warnock after Jonathan Woodgate was let go. Where have you gone this weekend for your nap, for your best bet in the championship? Yeah, off to the off to the valley. Um, and you know, Charlton got a massive and deserved victory at Hull on the weekend. And, and I'm not going to take that away from them because it's brilliant news. And I'm <clears throat> very happy for those at the club, uh, especially given the um, issues with certain personnel uh, after the break, including top goal scorer and talisman Lyle Taylor. Um, but I think they come up against a QPR side who I'm not putting much weight or much value in their 1-0 defeat at home to, to Barnsley last weekend. I think Barnsley were much improved. I think, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of going against what I've said here because I said it's like a new season and we've got to figure out what happened last season. But there's there's too much attacking quality, um, too much attacking intent from the manager, um, Warburton as well. And... The personnel, when you when you factor in the likes of Eze and, say, Samuel, uh, Ilias Chair, there's too much technical quality, in my opinion, not to be a, 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 an effective attacking force. And they weren't that against Barnsley, but in their favour here is, you know, the, the obvious home advantage um, kind of shift, I guess, where at the moment what we're seeing in football not only in England but also across Europe is that the home advantage uh, is, is less than it normally is and therefore they come into this game I think with every chance of coming away with, with three points I'm surprised they're not shorter than the kind of six to five that's that's currently available um, Charlton's home record at times the season has been very good but recently not so good I was there for the last home game against Borough where they were very poor indeed 
and just in terms of, of the personnel at you know at the disposal of these sides um QPR have have a better side and it's going to be really tough you know I think if Charlton can get a point from this game it would be a really good result for them and it would be another point towards safety so um you know there, there might be concerns that QPR have very little now to play for after their defeat last weekend and um, that's probably fair but I think given the gap that we had in football I think they'll be pretty keen to right some wrongs and you've got a lot of players here playing not only for their QPR futures but you know, they're going to be a fair few scouts watching the players that I, that I mentioned earlier, um, Eze being a particular one. So I think they're, they're a decent price. You know, it's it's not particularly flashy, but, you know, in my own staking plan, when I look at what I'm backing this weekend, it's the bet, the biggest bet that I've had and certainly two points on it. So QPR to beat Charlton away is my nap. Eze completed more dribbles last weekend, albeit in defeat, than any player since Adama Traore at, uh, at this level. I'm just looking at... Given that he, he tends to occupy that sort of inside left channel, centre left, if you will, I'm just looking at, at uh, Charlton's team from last week. Adam Matthews, the right back, is going to have a job on his hands, but so is Darren Prattley uh, trying to sit in uh, and and screen in front of that back four. Aidan McGeady played as well last weekend. I dare say if they're looking for someone to, to provide a bit more uh, defensive solidity to the right back, they might need to rethink that. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he comes up with because uh, although it's reductive just to focus on Eze with QPR, we are both so, so keen on him and so excited to see what he does in the future. And after that poor result on the weekend, QPR are seven points off the playoffs with six teams between them and Preston in sixth as well. It looks like they might be one of the teams who might sort of drift off in terms of playing right to the end of the season. But for Eze, this is absolutely um, the stage on which he, he can put himself in front of potential suitors, shall we say. I've, I've no doubt that those in the Premier League have been scouting him for two seasons now, but it can't hurt to prove in this last eight games of the season uh, just how much you are head and shoulders above the rest of the division. Um, so today, George, and I hope you don't mind... I'm mostly going to be focusing on on first goal scorer picks. Don't That's it, fine. It's, it's not centre back first goal scorer picks. It's uh, it's attacking player first goal scorer picks. I think it would be a bit weird to put up sort of four 30, 40 to one shots, but have got one of those later, obviously. Um, but I, I think without League One and League Two action, given we've only got one slate instead of three slates, it, it just finding six sort of match result picks between us from 12 games is it feels like we might be stretching a little bit with some of the extra ones so I should shout out friend of the pod Lewis Allen who was very busy during lockdown he put together uh, I don't know how he did it and I hope it didn't take him too long but I can't see how it wouldn't have basically put together a spreadsheet of every single first goal scorer in the championship this season um so 440 odd games and he sent that over to us so that we could have a little look through uh, I've had a good look through and, and some of my stats and, and findings are sort of stem from from Lewis's spreadsheet and stuff that I saw on there. So uh, first and foremost, uh, the shortest price, probably the one that I would be staking that little bit more on, uh, Scott the Hot Hogan. Uh, I'd, I'd actually, <laughs> I'd almost forgotten about Scotty Hogan and uh, over lockdown, uh, over three months, I'd almost forgotten how hot he was before lockdown. Um, but I will certainly be taking five to one on him to score first for Birmingham against Hull. Now, as, as ever with these um, first goal scorer picks, often the prices do value. Uh, as we have said many times before, it's stupid not to take the best price that you can. And using odds checker will help you to do that. So um, Bet365 are big standout here, five to one, and they offer those each way terms as well. So if they score any time, having not scored first, you get paid out uh, on the each way terms at uh, a third of the price. So, 
Most firms have him around 16 to 5, just over 3 to 1. Uh, we're getting 5 to 1 with Bet365 as we record on Friday morning. Um, he wasn't amazing last week against West Brom, but I would say out of the Birmingham team, he was brightest. He almost conjured an amazing goal out of nothing. He, he managed to get off three of Birmingham's seven shots, even though they spent most of the game defending. And, you know, he looked... He just looks sharp when he's in good form, doesn't he? And I and I wouldn't say he was notably slow or rusty compared to many of the other players on the pitch. Um, since joining Birmingham, his first game was at the very start of February. He joined on loan uh, towards the end of January. He has scored first three times in nine appearances. Uh, two of the other games, he scored Birmingham's first goal, although not the game's first goal. Uh, so in five of nine games, he scored Birmingham's first goal. Since joining Birmingham... He's got seven goals in nine games. The second most in the squad is, is Djukovic with three, uh, then own goal with two, and then Pedersen with one. So since Hogan's joined, uh, he has scored more than half of Birmingham's goals. Djukovic has probably enjoyed having him there and, and taking less of the scoring uh, burden. And they're, I mean, the strongest part of this is that they're at home to Hull. It's very easy to um, to get carried away with a bet against Hull at the moment based on a very poor first performance, based on um, some just ridiculousness off the field this week, which you can hear more of on the Going Up, Going Down podcast that we do for The Athletic. We spoke to Graham Cannon, vice chair of the Hull City Supporters Trust. So there's more details about what's happened uh, on that podcast for The Athletic, Going Up, Going Down. But fair to say Hull are, are in a tricky spot. Uh, they didn't start well. They've lost key players. Uh, who won't be playing for the rest of the season. Uh, and up front for Charlton last weekend, Hemed and Bond both had decent chances uh, at different points in that game. So 5-1, to one, Hogan score first, Birmingham against Hull. Uh, that's my best bet of the weekend. Uh, that's with Bet365. What's next for you? Next for me, <laughs> Reading fans are going to roll their eyes, but hey. this isn't about Reading uh, this time. Although I am getting against them yet again, despite them scuppering. My Stoke bet last weekend. Um, I'm backing Derby at six to five. That's a beauty bet, um, and it's all about Derby, really. Uh, anyone who's listened to the Monday show will know that I'm pretty smitten with this Derby team. You said uh, on going up, going down on Thursday. Uh, since the turn of the year, Derby picked up more points than anybody in the Championship. Their home form all season is the second best of anyone. They've only lost twice at home, picking up 37 points. Uh, they've scored three goals in each of their last three games. Rooney coming in has given them a completely different look to the way they play. They now control possession in the way that Koku wants to, with two, well, at least one ball-playing centre-back behind them as well. Uh, it's enabled Lawrence to have a bit more freedom on the left-hand side. Sibley coming in at 10 has been, obviously, a revelation with four goals in his first two games. Confidence is high, and I'm just amazed they're not odds-on. I, yeah, I, I, it's, not again, nothing against Reading, uh, but who have absolutely nothing to play for here uh, except for their pride Derby will definitely fancy their chances of getting into the top six um, yeah six to five seems like a massive price to me how much do you think the bookies are trying to factor in a reduction in, in home advantage here it feels like if this was being played in front of 25 30,000 uh, Derby fans then they would surely be under that even money mark you'd think so yeah um, I mean it's very hard to quantify exactly what you know, I think basically every match is different in terms of of home advantage. I mean, the the trip for for Reading to Derby isn't a particularly difficult one, um, which probably helps. Similarly, QPR travelling to, to Charlton isn't very hard for them to do. I think when you're looking at more difficult trips, that's where the home advantage might come more into play. Um, but you know, there has to be a reduction in home team value in terms of where the market sits. Uh, there's been a bit of money for 
the derby already, so the opening prices were a bit bigger than than what I've um, than what they are now. Uh, but it's hard to know. I mean, as as all these things, the prices end up, especially by this late stage, the prices aren't aren't a bookie. You know, a, a man sitting in his desk in a trading room at a, at a bookie. It, it's all driven by by the money. Um, so it kind of zeroes in on where general consensus seems to be, or at least some certain bigwigs um, who have quite a lot of influence in these markets um, with their money. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to know. And at this stage, I guess, we're, you know, you're not because you're doing first goal scorers, but it's a bit of a guessing game and you've got to try and find the edges where you can. Um, and, you know, Derby's good form at Pride Park this season has to still be a positive, even if, you know, it's, it's the same pitch, it's the same size, the changing rooms are the same. There's got to be some positive there, even if it's not quite as big as, uh, as, as it would have been if it had been a full stadium. The uh, Those bigwigs that you talk about who have a big impact on the market, they sound like smart people. I wonder if they'd be any good at running football clubs if they were to, mm. if they were to buy smart. <laughs> yeah, They're smart lizards, those guys, I think. Smart lizards. Um, my second pick, uh, we've gone from a, an old friend uh, in Scott the Hot Hogan to potentially a new friend. Uh, it's Connor Wickham of Sheffield Wednesday. Now, this game's on Sunday. They play against uh, Bristol City. Bristol City, pretty poor, I think uh, it's fair to say, in their first game back. Uh, they are they, they they weren't necessarily blitzed by Blackburn, but they, they like many other teams, looked fairly rusty. Daniel Bentley, especially, uh, in, the, uh, in the Bristol City goal. They're up against Sheffield Wednesday, who were better than I expected in their first game back. Nothing to get necessarily carried away with, but general consensus from their game against Forest was that on balance of play, they edged it, far from dominating, but edged it. Um, you know, one one bit of lax defending and a great ball over the top, a brilliant take from Lolly, saw them 1-0 down. But uh, on balance of play and chances created, they probably did edge it. And, and Connor Wickham was the man, of course, that headed home in injury time from a corner uh, to grab them a point uh he's seven to one uh with bet 365 to score this weekend we spoke on the monday pod that they they came out of the blocks in a different formation which i thought was interesting and one game is far too small a sample size to say definitively but based on their performance and the players they had playing various roles it it, it felt like a positive change that monk uh that monk made going three five two you had connor wickham and jordan rhodes up front now uh, and, and you had Murphy and Kadeem Harris out wide, who are very attacking um, for, for, for wing-backs in the 3-5-2, I would say. Uh, it seemed to work well, and watching the game back, m- most of the chances for Sheffield Wednesday came when they worked it down the sides and when they were delivering from wide areas. Now, Wickham is a big lad. He's an aerial threat, as he showed with the goal. Obviously, you've got Rhodes, who could scupper things, because he's a, a sort of probably more of a natural goal scorer, more of a poacher type, but... Um, yeah, I, I just think if Wickham's going to start, and I can't see why he wouldn't after a, after a positive performance in the first game back, um, then I think seven to one is is a is a very nice price for him to score to score first. You get those each way terms with Bet three six five. He also had the highest xG uh, of any Championship player, the second highest xG I should say of any Championship player last weekend after, of course, Louis the Vicar of Sibley. Um, so yeah, I want to get in front of this. If Wickham is going to start now from from now to the end of the season and with Fletcher's contract having basically been confirmed that it, it you know he's out of contract and I think Wickham will start more games uh, and if he's going to be starting for the Sheffield Wednesday side uh, then I'm certainly interested at seven to one on him to score first so that's my second pick Connor Wickham first goal scorer in Sunday's game between Sheffield Wednesday and Bristol City you're up yeah I'm gonna side with, with 
with Neil Warnock here. Hey! Um, if, if there hadn't been a change of manager, I think I'd probably be backing the, the other side. Um, you know, not to do another kind of cross-podcast plug, but we released a Going Up, Going Down yesterday with The Athletic, where we covered the Warnock story in a bit of detail. And we spoke to Richard Wood, who um, is, you know, the Rotherham captain, who was at the club when Warnock came in back in 2016, taking over the club when they were cut adrift at the bottom of the championship and turning the, the club around to, you know, achieving safety from relegation with games to spare. And he was, I think, going into it, we probably knew that he was going to be pretty, um, you know, his praise of Warnock was going to be pretty, pretty obvious, given what happened. But it can't really have been more effusive. He basically gave all of the credit for the turnaround to Warnock in terms of his management style, in terms of the way that they played, in terms of his just influence. And he even said the words, he was like, as soon as he walked in the door, we knew that things were different. The first time we spoke to him, we, we, knew, we knew that things were, going, things were going to change. Like that is, I think it's, it's hard, it's easy for us, sorry, looking in to assume that's the case with these managers. But actually hearing a player, like he, a great line of his, you know, please do listen to the interview if, you, if you're interested in this stuff. But he says, like, he wasn't in the team when Warnock was appointed. And he said, because he was a senior pro, he knew, like, even though he didn't know Warnock very well, he knew that as soon as Warnock got the job, he was like, right, I'm going to be playing now, which I love. <laughs> and there are probably, there are probably a couple of players at, middle, uh, at Borough who have exactly that. A couple of senior pros. Johnny Housen is probably thinking to himself, right, brilliant. I'm not going to be playing right back anymore. He's going to put me centre field, probably with Adam Clayton, Paddy McNair in front, and we're going to snap some legs. It's going to be great. Like that is going to be the mentality here. Nothing, no frills, not trying to revolutionise ball playing midfielders into, you know, into playing out the back defenders, just solid senior pros doing their job and playing the percentages. Um, they come up against Stoke, who obviously didn't have a great start to, to football last weekend, snatching a draw at Reading late on. Um, but this is tough for Stoke because, you know, they're, they're, they're it, I think because for the last three months, we've probably thought that these two sides were just about out of it. It's easy to now forget when you look at the table that actually this is a bit of a relegation six pointer. Mm. Like both of these sides probably aren't going to go down. But if one of these sides gets definitely, beat, tomorrow, you definitely wouldn't want to lose this one. Exactly. Whoever get, whoever loses this game tomorrow is going to be right in the thick of it as well. So it's a big game, and you. I just. I, I'd be really surprised if we don't see a reaction from Borough. And then to caveat that even further, you sent me a, a nice little expected goal difference graph this week, which actually showed that Borough have probably been a bit unlucky over the last couple of months. And you know, in terms of their their xG goal difference, uh, are a bit further up the table than than they are at the moment, which suggests that a turnaround of fortunes is probably likely anyway. So, yeah, six to four, um, draw no bet I'm going for with Borough. Um, here is, is my third selection. Um, you know, it'd be typical of Stoke after I took them last week to go and get the winner here. But I'm, I'm very excited to see uh, Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough. And, you know, over the last week, we've spoken a lot about him. We're speaking about him again on Sky tonight. And, yeah, my estimation of him as a manager doing the research this week has changed. I mean, I always, you've got to respect him, but actually what he does consistently with these clubs is just remarkable. And I think a bar will be the next one's profit. Yeah, I mean, if I'd been forced to pick match result selections, then Borough did seem like a, a bit of value. We're clearly both drinking the the Warnock juice, so to speak. Uh, I, went back, <laughs> I went back through his last seven jobs. Uh, he hasn't lost 
his first game in his last seven jobs, three wins and four draws. So I'm very confident uh, that at the very least, Middlesbrough will be avoiding defeat this weekend. Also, you've not made us, you've not made us sound like particularly cool there when you say that in the week I WhatsApped you with some XG graphs. <laughs> And you sent me a seven. Do. And you sent me a seven-minute video of a Barry Eze's best bits. I mean, seriously, it's not exactly the uh, the rock and roll lifestyle think, that we're that, trying to project. Well, I, I think I think I come across much better than you in that story. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> right. My third pick, uh, another first goal scorer pick, is Adam Armstrong. Blackburn's Adam Armstrong. He is 8-1 to one with Bet365. You'll sense a theme here. 365 when it comes to first goal scorers. They certainly are quite bold with their pricing on here. They're often, uh, well, clearly often best price. And they're one of very few bookies that offer those each way terms that I love so much. So, um, yeah, th- this is my third selection, all with 365. Uh, Adam Armstrong, 8-1. to one. Armstrong, I mean... <sighs> He's got better and better this season, to be honest. Uh, he obviously scored last weekend. He didn't actually start last weekend, which was a surprise, and is something of a worry for this bet. I mean, unfortunately, for the sake of this podcast, we can't wait for the team news to to put up things like this. So, you know, I would certainly suggest holding fire until 2pm on Saturday. Just to get that out the way, though, I, I'm pretty confident he'll be back in the team like the fact that he was on the bench last weekend was something of a surprise it wasn't you know it, it, it was a bit of Mowbray sneakiness I think a little tactical uh, surprise a little a little surprise of selection um, to start Ben Brereton instead Armstrong has started 33 of 38 games this season um, and like 10 in a row before lockdown so uh, given he's been one of Blackburn's best players since certainly since the turn of the year given that Paul Brereton, who is a young player that, that I think could still have a very good career, but seemingly is cursed in front of goal, uh, who slipped over when he had an open goal the other day. Uh, I would <laughs> I would expect Armstrong to, to be back in for this game, put it that way, um, especially as he came, on, he came off the bench after 65 minutes and scored a vintage Armstrong goal, cutting in from the left uh, on 71. Um, so he's 8-1. to one. I think he's got better and better this season since January. Um, I was going through his Y Scout page. He, I don't know whether Mowbray gave him extra confidence or just gave him more of a green light, or whether he's just grown in confidence playing in this sort of inside left role. But he's been averaging almost four shots a game since January the first. I think it's three point seven attempts per game, which is pretty high for anyone. Um, he might not always be the number nine, sort of leading the line on the shoulder, but he's got quite a nice bit of freedom in 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 the on the left side you know defensively he has a bit more responsibility than he probably would want but going forward he's not he's certainly not changed changed to the uh, to the touchline you'll see him popping up in all sorts of spaces and he seems to be developing a, a Bradley Dak like or maybe without Dak there having a little bit more space to pick up those good positions uh, on the edge of the box or arriving late he's also scored first in seven uh, league games this season out of 38 and George only two players in the championship have scored first uh, more times than seven in the championship wow. this season. Can you tell me who you think they might be? Can you repeat the question, please? So Armstrong has scored first seven times this season in 38 league games. Two championship players, this is thanks to Lewis Allen's spreadsheet, two championship players have scored first eight times out of 38 games this season. Who do you think they are? I'm going to say Patrick Bamford. No. Yeah, stupid question. He's shy. Um, 
Wait, can I just pause you for a second there? My girlfriend's locked herself out and I have to go and let her in. So you have a think about who might yeah. have scored first more than Adam Armstrong this season. One sec. Right, back in the room, back in yeah. the quiz. Who has scored first more than Adam Armstrong this season in the championship? I'm going to say Alexander Mitrovic and Daniel Johnson. Oh, I really like where your head's at because Mitrovic is one, but Watkins is the big wrong answer. In yeah. fact, Mitro scored first eight times. Watkins has only scored the first goal three times, which I suppose that, is somewhat surprising. Happened. Although, because the answer is Brian Mbomo, who has scored first eight times, maybe wow. that shows that Watkins that has some uh, some other players in his team who can who can share the goals around rather than uh, mm. the Mitro who who takes the, the the large majority of that burden for Fulham. So yeah, uh, Mitrovic and Bumo have both scored first eight times, Armstrong seven times. I think I've said all that I need to say really about this. Um, they're away at Wigan. I think Armstrong will start. I think he's probably Blackburn's biggest goal threat. So at eight to one, I'm very happy with that. I've obviously picked Hogan at fives, Wickham at sevens and Armstrong at eight to one, all with bet three, six, five. So I, I think it goes without saying that I'll be making the most of uh, of the each way terms and having a few pennies on an each way Trixie here as well, just in case, just in case, George. Mm-hmm. Um, what's next for you? Yeah, my bonus. It's in the game tonight. So hopefully if you're listening to this tomorrow morning, it's already copped. <laughs> um, it's a correct score. I think it's going to be, I mean, as much as I love both of these sides and at times they can play brilliant football, I think it's going to be fairly cagey again. I think anyone who watched Fulham-Brentford um, uh, last weekend will see that Brentford are very, very comfortable in any kind of phase of play. They're very happy. They're happy at times to sit off and let Fulham have the ball without really being challenged. They're very happy keeping the ball in wide areas and more advanced. There, there was no gung-ho, we need to win this. It was patient. It was measured. And I think it'll be the, the same tonight. West Brom obviously drew a blank on the, on the weekend. And again, the, the important thing for them in this match is, is not to lose. Um, that is the key here. Uh, a point is is is. I mean, it's not as good as three in terms of of the you know winning the title, but it's it's as good as keeping Brentford at arm's length in this game as well. I fancy Brentford to win it in, t- in terms of the prices. They're about set six to four. I think I think that they that, that represents decent value. I think that they're arguably in their current guys better. We'll see how that goes down. See how that that ages. Uh, I'm not going to be quite as bullish as my my. Uh, Keith Curl, Michael Duff takes from last week. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Brentford one nil uh, at fifteen to two for a long shot. But I think there's value in the unders. Um, kind of Brentford and under two and a half, so covering off one nil two nil. Um, Brentford to nil maybe as well, or or maybe just unders <laughs> under two and a half. I, I feel like I've got about ten different bets in my bet no, slip no, just off bet, that one the, answer. The bet the bet is Brentford to win one nil. But anyone who's listening who maybe wants you know something a bit shorter to keep them entertained tonight, um, I'd be opposing goals. I mean, just watch the game to be entertained and the build-up because... Well, uh, not, not if it's going to be nil-nil. <laughs> because uh, you can have good nil-nils. That Brentford-Fulham game was very nearly nil-nil and if it had been, I would have still called it an entertaining game between good, two what? good teams. Was it nil-nil? It was not nil-nil. In fact, it wasn't even one-nil. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, my bonus is... Jake Cooper to score first at 41 again. Like, wow. I know it's ridiculous, but... Did he have a shot last week? I mean, I'm asking that he genuinely got, not because I'm... He, he, didn't, he didn't actually have a shot last week, but he... I'll, I will... 
I will go on Scout and I will send a clip to you where he gets so close to a set piece. I was watching it and really yelped at that stage. But um, yeah, obviously I picked him last week. It's it's not great for entertainment purposes, but uh, essentially with Skybet this time, 40 to 1, in the same game, which is Millwall against Barnsley, in the same game, uh, Hutchinson, who is Cooper's centre-back partner, is 15 to 1 uh, with Skybet to score first. Cooper is 40 to 1. Now, that shows, and I, I'm not even, I don't even know if this is, I'm, I'm not necessarily having a go at the bookies here, but that shows that they're very reactive when it comes to this stuff because Hutchinson has scored first three times this season. According to Lewis's spreadsheet, if you'd backed every player in the league every single week to score first, Hutchinson would, would be your your greatest winner this season. He scored first three times. Um, he's 15 to 1. Apo Halmer, uh, who is Barnsley centre back, is 28 to 1, and Cooper is 40 to 1. So, look, we might get shafted by Matt Smith, uh, who is also freakishly tall, and who shafted us last weekend by rising highest to head home for Millwall first up. Um, but all the same things apply. They are such a threat from set pieces. Barnsley, not known for defensive organisation, I think it's fair to say. Um, we also might get shafted by Cooper nodding it downwards and Hutchinson sort of stabbing it in, which has obviously happened a couple of times a season. But as long as Jake Cooper is being priced up at 40 to 1, or probably even 33 to 1 to score first, I'm going to mention it on the podcast because if I don't mention it and he scores first, that will be the end of me. I'll, I'll have I'll, that. I'll just be that'll be it. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Jake Cooper, 40 to 1. I promise I won't make him the bonus pick every single week, but I am going to just mention it. And this week, I'm sticking to my guns. Uh, 40 to 1, Jake Cooper with Skybet. Uh, and a few others to score first against uh, against Barnsley this weekend. Uh, so, George, we always forget to run through the picks. We're not going to do that this weekend. Could you tell me what your selections were for today's betting show? My selections, the nap was QPR. The next best was Derby, then Borough draw no bet, and then 1-0 in the game tonight. Voila. Magnificent. Uh, I have gone for some individuals. So here are the names. Scott Hogan, first goal scorer, 5-1 with Bet365, Birmingham against Hull. Connor Wickham, 7-1 uh, with Bet365. Uh, Adam Armstrong, 8-1 in the... Uh, Wigan Blackburn game uh, with Bet365 and Jake Cooper 40 to 1 with Skybet uh, to score first in the Millwall Barnsley game. Uh, all of those have each way terms as well, which is a, a preference of mine, um, but is but is very much up to you guys. So thank you for listening to this week's betting show. I hope you've enjoyed it um, and let's hope that we all get a little bit of luck. Go well this weekend with any of your own punts. Let us know what you think about what we've said today. Let us know what you've uh, what you think sounds good and what sounds rubbish. Uh, and we will certainly be talking again on Monday, reviewing what is stacked up to be a hell of a weekend of championship football. Cheers for listening.